0: I read about a man who I greatly admire this week. I've never heard of him before. His name is Han Chung. He lived in China on the border town of Chongbai, uh, next to North Korea. He came to Christ about 30 years ago out of an atheistic Buddhist background. When he came to Christ, Christ became everything to him. He began telling all of his friends and neighbors and and anyone that he uh, knew. When the famine came to North Korea and people were seeking asylum, coming across the border, many landed in his town and he discovered a way that he could express his love for Christ by loving these homeless refugees that were, uh, again, seeking asylum in the border town in China. He not only fed them, asked nothing in return, he would help them get jobs, help them relocate and um, harbor them. And within about six months, he became uh, at the top, of the most wanted list to be assassinated by the North Koreans. But he continued for 30 years. Um, Many stories have come out. You can can Google his name, Pastor Han. Uh, Not now, but later today. Uh, He is a champion. Um, his story's been captured by Voice of the Martyrs and many others who said that they came as atheists and said to him, why are you doing this? And they said, as North Koreans, they were taught in elementary school, in their primary school system, to distrust Christians, and particularly missionaries, that missionaries were terrorists. And when Pastor Hahn began telling them about the one true God whose son is Jesus Christ, they, they were like shocked when they gave him a free Bible. How much do we owe you for this? No, no, it's free. Why do you do this? And he told us because of what God had done for him in his son, Jesus Christ. He said it changed their lives. I share this story because Pastor Han, soon after becoming a Christian, became a kingdom man. The kingdom of God meant more to Pastor Han than the kingdom of China, than the kingdom of Buddhism, the kingdom of any other political system, the kingdom of culture. The kingdom of God loomed bigger to Pastor Han, and he was willing— to serve those from other nations, of different cultures, of different even religious backgrounds, political persuasions, and even more than his own life. This morning we want to talk about the kingdom of God. But it was on a Saturday, May 3rd, 2016. At 2 o'clock in the afternoon, Pastor Hahn left his church and was not seen again for several hours. And when they found him, he had been badly mutilated. We'll just leave it at that. Assassinated. And come to find out that at his funeral, literally thousands came and pinned ribbons on a, uh, a wall made of wire to acknowledge that they were people not only influenced by Pastor Han but who came to faith in Jesus Christ. Wow. Christ. Uh, can we honor Pastor Hahn this morning? Now, we are challenged in our day to find heroes. Pastor Hahn is one of mine. We come to a verse this morning that elevates the kingdom, now listen to me, over culture. Just because you are a born again believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, does not necessarily mean you are a kingdom person. I want to bring a message this morning becoming a kingdom person. We as a church want to be a kingdom movement. Now, the verse of Scripture, Romans chapter 14. In your books, if you're following along in the journals, it's page 60, or if you uh, don't have that, you can, you're welcome to use uh, the Bible provided for you uh, there, Romans chapter 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now the first thing it does here is it points out what the kingdom of God is not. And the reason is, let's just get a little context. Two chapters earlier, Romans chapter 12, verse nine says, let love be genuine or authentic. Let love be genuine. And then basically everything from that verse to the end of the book of Romans is all about how to let love be genuine. We come to chapter 14, and it says, Owe no one anything except to love one another. Uh, For love, uh, the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. You shall love your neighbor as yourself is the summation of all the commandments. Now, that's fine, and it sounds great, But there was a problem in the church in Rome. And we come to the problem in chapter 14, verse 1. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Uh, Let not the one who eats, now listen to this, despise the one who abstains. That word despise is a strong word. It's a picturesque word that literally means to exalt oneself above the others so that you're looking down on others as being less valuable or less important. Don't do that. Not in the church. Now what this is doing is it is completely eliminating from behavior one Christian to another ever being justified in looking condescendingly on another believer. Strong language. But it goes on and it says, don't look down on another and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God will welcome him. Go down to verse 10. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? There's the same two words again. Despise, that's looking at others as if they're less valuable than you are, or pass judgment. And then again, verse 13. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another. Three times these words are dealt with. Pass judgment, look condescendingly, despise, look look. Look at a person as if they lack worth. Now, let's get a little perspective. In the church in Rome, they were made up of Jews and non Jews, pagans. Some from Jewish background, some from pagan background. Now, in, in Rome, the wealthy could afford to buy fresh meat. But those with less money had to settle for getting meat that was secondhand, that was initially offered to idols in pagan worship, then some of it was burnt in the sacrifice and wasted, but the majority of it was then taken secondhand to be sold in the market. There were those by conscience who said, oh, idols are evil, worshiping idols is evil, eating meat offered to idols is wrong. There were others that said, well, the idols are really nothing. We're not contaminating the meat that's offered to idols. Meat is meat. Uh, It makes no difference to eat it. That was the issue that this is dealing with. So in the church in Rome, being that some were from Jewish background and some from pagan background, this issue of whether or not they had permission to eat meat offered to idols was causing disunity within the church. One looked judgmentally on the others, uh, and the other despised uh, the other group. So you're either in the group that despised the other, or you're in the group that judged the other. That was the issue back then. But now let's gain even a broader perspective. Not only was this going on in Rome, but the church itself, struggling with this issue, was dealing with the fact that they were living in the shadow of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire left its imprint on everything. The Roman Empire had the power to make slaves of foreigners. The Roman Empire had conquered virtually all of Europe. The Middle East was under the the throes of the, the Roman government and even North Africa. So everything within arm's reach was under the Roman Empire. And so you've heard the expression when in Rome, do as the Romans do. Well, we, here we say that 2,000 years later. What do you think they were saying? When in Rome, you better do what the Romans do. And so the Roman Empire loomed so big over the church that the church felt insignificant. But Paul, who was a full-blooded Jew and a Roman citizen, was converted to the kingdom of Jesus Christ, which now was the dominant kingdom in his life, in his worldview. It it affected everything so that the kingdom of Judaism bowed to the kingdom of Christ. The kingdom of of the Roman Empire bowed to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of personal preference bowed to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Politics bowed to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Political preference bowed to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Cultural preference bowed to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. So, if the person called themselves brother, if they were brothers in Christ, That's all that mattered. It removed from Paul and the church any right to look condescendingly on another person or look judgmentally on another person. Does this make sense? Now, let me me just make this real practical. You can understand how for any Christian living in the first century, it's, It's In a sense, it's easy to say the kingdom of Christ is more important to me than the Roman Empire. That's easy. But what became hard for them was whether or not to eat meat offered idols. It boiled down to almost a stupid little preference issue. But that's where the rub was. It wasn't even for them whether to be circumcised or not. That wasn't the issue. The issue was, is it right to eat meat offered to idols? Well, of course you can. No, you idiot. You shouldn't do that. That became the point of division. So their cultural issue divided them because for them, the kingdom of God was not as important as the kingdom of their culture. Now, brothers and sisters, I cannot think of a more relevant application for the church today. Amen. Out there, there in my lifetime, I have never lived in a time when there's so much political polarization. and basically name calling pardon me for mentioning this so specifically but there are the never trumpers who just think you're an idiot if you find any virtue in our current president and then you've got trump people who think you're an idiot if you don't And frankly, that bigger tent represents a lot of people in this room. We can hold to our political views, brothers and sisters, but in the body of Christ, every other kingdom has to bow to the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. I believe today we have a greater opportunity than we have ever had in our lifetime as a church to become a kingdom movement. Hallelujah. To allow the kingdom of Christ to become what we're more passionate about than, 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 than hating each other over political issues. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Now, I, I, I truly believe that in our congregation there is no member of our church who views one race as superior to another race. I mean, frankly, that if anyone did, that's a matter of church discipline. We cannot tolerate that. I trust that none of us have that view. But let me tell you, brothers and sisters, there is... While, while the strict sense of defining racism is that, viewing one race as superior to another, that's, ultimately that's racism. Yeah. But let me tell you, brothers and sisters, within the body of Christ, we have an opportunity today, mm-hmm. in this season of our nation's journey, we as a church... Have an opportunity today to do better than just eliminating racism. God wants to raise among us racial sensitivity. Some of us are of the opinion that we just ought to close the borders and build a wall and not let any more uh, people immigrate into our country. Some of us may be of that perspective. I've talked with some of our members who opened my eyes. Not that I ever was in that camp, but I had people share this story. Fred, do you understand that many of them are bringing children, they know it's illegal to cross into our country, but they're doing it because their children have been raped in the country they're leaving, and for them, protecting their children is more important than whether or not they're illegal aliens, yes. immigrants into our country yes. that's a real issue Very real. now regardless of what side of that you you can end up on god wants to give you at least compassion toward those who who are fleeing horrible situations and we have harbored many of them as a church family oh, yes. just like pastor han did in north korea yes. and we're going to we're going to help a lot more yes. i was in personal conversation with our congressman he uh, is a fr- has become a friend but we helped one of our friends from another country and i'm not going to mention who but to go through the asylum process legally. But not everyone can do that. But they're fleeing for their lives. Let me tell you another story. Did you know there are some members of our church who are African American, who are seriously afraid of their sons and daughters driving home at night for fear not of the bad guys, but for fear of what the police might do. Now, if you are a white person born in the U.S., that may shock you. Do you mean that our church members sincerely are afraid for their kids' lives? of what a police officer might do? I'm just telling you it's true. Very true. Now, you, you can do with that what you want, but it raised my sensitivity on this issue to know that. And on this, I've got skin in the game because Jesus is skin in the game. It is a matter of honoring the one true God whose son is Jesus Christ to not only officially throw out racism as a view that views one race over another, but that receives a racial sensitivity so that we do not look down on people who are going through struggles some of us know nothing about. I am thankful to be part of a church family that forces me to face this issue. Because this is the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Amen. When the kingdom of God is bigger than my political views when the kingdom of god is bigger than republican or democrat when the kingdom of god is bigger than my cultural preferences and my own insensitivities i begin to grow and may god help all of us grow on these issues I rarely do this, but I'm gonna hold up a book and recommend it. It's the book Persuasion, but listen to the subtitle. Convincing Others When Facts Don't Seem to Matter. How many of you have recognized in social debate facts don't matter anymore? You, you can get facts to prove anything you want. Uh, this is, this is uh, really not written for the Christian community. It's written for anyone. But of all things, it happened to be written by my niece. Her middle name is Hartley. And it is a tremendous book. And you've seen her if you watch uh, the news. She's been on several news networks. She's been hundreds of times on Fox News. Uh, Lee Carter. Um, she's been on hundreds of times. If you see her picture, you would recognize her. But her whole thing as as an opinion maker is respect in the social discourse. We come from different nations, but God wants us to have a common conversation that respects each other. On any Sunday, we could get 25 people to come up here and share their experience of racism in our nation. Yes. We could do it any time, that would open our eyes. It was a number of years ago, we were, went to Salem Missionary Baptist on, on Martin Luther King Day. Sometime in December, a few years ago, The phone rang, and it was my buddy Pastor Haynes. He said, "Uh, Fred, we'd like you to come to our church on Martin Luther King Day. I thought, great. And we want you to speak, Fred. Sure, I'll I'll speak. Then I hung up the phone, and I put my head down, I thought, what did I just get myself into? (laughs) Me speaking on Martin Luther King Day. So I stood up, and about 100 of our people were in their church, and a couple hundred of theirs and um i quoted dr king and i said one day in the red clay of georgia the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will sit down at the table of brotherhood i slapped the pulpit i said welcome to the table of brotherhood and everybody went nuts they they got into it and midway through my talk i said now how many of you African-Americans have been hurt by a white person? Mistreated, spoken in, in, uh, without uh, respect? How many of you? Every hand went up. I thought maybe half the hands, two-thirds of the hands. Every hand went up. I said, how many of you would be willing to tell your story? Just one minute right now, tell your story of how you've been hurt by a white person. And 40 people, shared their story. It was incredible. One person, when they would go to the dentist, they'd have to sit in the broom closet waiting for the dentist to see him. One had just happened recently, thank you my brother. One had just happened recently that um, they were stopped, I, I won't get into the story, But some went back 20 years, some were five years, some happened the day before. I'm telling you, there was not a dry eye in the place. I was crying, all of our people were crying. Our church was changed that day. What is that? That's the kingdom, that's racial sensitivity. For those of us in the majority culture, while I trust none of us are racist in the strict sense, we all have level of improvement to learn, to honor, to listen, to respect every culture equally, to understand what others have gone through that we haven't experienced. It's the issue. The kingdom of God is not food and drink. The kingdom of God is not Republican or Democrat. The kingdom of God is not rich or poor. The kingdom of God, now here it is. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, we've been talking about loving God, Uh, loving ourselves, loving others. Now listen to this. The kingdom of God is righteousness. Righteousness is what we need to love God. Until you receive righteousness from Jesus Christ, you will never feel intimate with God, because you're not. You're always going to feel awkward. You're always going to be striving. You're always going to be trying to work your way to heaven. You're going to be trying to get God to... You know, God's favor or something. But when you receive righteousness, that's what gives you the grace to be able to love God. The second one, peace. That's what you need with each other. Peace. In order to love others, there needs to be peace. The peace between you and the others seated around us this morning. It's the kingdom. Some of us can be full of turmoil. Some of us can be full of of anger, of judgmentalism. But when the kingdom of God comes, God takes that out and gives us peace. Peace within us and peace between us. And then joy, joy. Joy is that overflow. Joy is, is what comes even in the presence of the Lord. We quoted that scripture earlier. In your presence, Psalm 16, in your presence is fullness of joy. You know, when, when, a, when a monarch is out of their castle, the flag is lowered. We were in uh, London some time ago, and um, I asked one of the other People outside of Buckingham Palace. Is the queen in? No, see, the flag is down. When the queen is there, the flag is up. And this is, this one may sound corny, but your pastor loves this statement. Now listen to this. Joy is the flag flown high from the castle of your heart when the king... Is in residence there. When you have intimacy with the King, when He has dominion in your heart, joy is the the flag that's flying high from your heart. It's the kingdom. And if we allow any other kingdom to rival the significance, the primacy of the kingdom of Christ, we will forfeit joy and we will forfeit peace. Amen. Now, the best part is the final words. The kingdom of God is not food or drink, Democrat, Republican, rich or poor, black or white or, or yellow. But the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit brings the kingdom. When, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you become a kingdom person. Because the Holy Spirit's job is to elevate Christ. And when Christ is the king over every area of your life, every other lesser kingdom will bow under the supremacy of the kingdom of Christ. Now, I call us, church, I call us to be kingdom people. Hallelujah. Would you say today, Lord, I want you to expose any rival kingdoms in me, any other kingdom. You see, nationalism can be an alien kingdom. I love America. But my allegiance to America takes a back seat to my allegiance to Christ and to his kingdom. I love my family, but, but because I love my family, I, I don't in any way for a moment think that, that the Hartley gene is superior to any other gene on earth. God have mercy. No, I, I put my, my, my political allegiance down and I lift up the king of kings. Hallelujah. I put down my nationality and I lift up the king of kings. Hallelujah. I put down my personal preferences, my music styles, and, and, and all the other things that can divide us. I choose the king of kings. Hallelujah. Increasingly, God is calling you to be a kingdom person. To grow in righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Worship team, please come. We want to respond to the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's thank the Lord this morning. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I appreciate so much the privilege of bringing the Word of God to us Amen. every Sunday. And I want to encourage you this morning in the moments before we exit to say those words to the Lord for yourself. Lord, any kingdom that would rival the supremacy of of Christ and his kingdom in my heart, in my emotions, in my motivations. Please expose it so that I can put it down. In Jesus' name. And Lord, may the culture of the kingdom of heaven dominate our church culture. Yes, Lord. The dignity, honor, respect for all people would rule here. And Lord, I'm a work in process. Lord, to the extent that any cultural insensitivities are still hidden in my heart, expose it. Lord, one thing I've learned about this is I've got a lot more to learn. And Lord, we as a church do. We praise you for where you brought us. But Lord, we want greater kingdom presence among us. Lord, what we're really saying is your kingdom come. We want this place to look more like heaven. We want the way we outdo each other by showing honor to so dominate this fellowship, our church family, that anyone that would walk in would say wow you guys really love each other this is a testimony and father thank you that people do say that virtually every week i hear people say that thank you but lord we've got more your kingdom is ever expanding and we ask you to expand your kingdom in us today would you just hold your hands out father Pray this prayer with me. Father God, I receive righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Activate your kingdom in me. Give me eyes for the kingdom. Give me a heart for the kingdom.